scripture for today is from Mark 1, um, 1 to 8. Um, feel free to close your eyes, get comfy, and I will read it to you. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the start of Mark, um, we get the story about John, John the Baptist, who has turned up on the scene in the wilderness. Um, he's gone out to the wilderness and he is dressed in a sack, which he has cut armholes out of. Um, and for sustenance, he is going tree to tree, hive to hive, scooping out honey. Um, and then he's dipping that in nearby bugs that he finds. So like super normal guy. Um, like super like if he was around today, we would definitely all believe him if he said he knew God. Um, and um, so he turns up, he's, he's wearing a coffee sack. He's eating wild honey. He's mashing bugs into his matted beard. Um, and, um, and he's saying, make a way for the Lord. Um, and, I'm and he's saying this is going to happen through a baptism of repentance. So this John, a little bit of context. Um, John is a wild guy, but John is the son of a guy named Zechariah, who was a really reputable priest. Um, and so um, the hope, I think, would have been that John becomes the kind of figure that Zechariah was, you know, kind of keeps up the family honor. Um, but um, instead, he goes pretty rogue. Um, he runs out into the desert. It would be like, um, it would be like if Jesse Duckworth was more, no, actually Jesse Duckworth is every bit John the Baptist, um, <laughs> but um, um, bad example, but it would, it would be someone of high repute. Um, um, their, their, their son or daughter just goes rogue to a whole new prophetic edge, and he ends up wearing the sackcloth, eating the bugs, um, and he's an outsider. He's a strange guy who comes saying that the liberation that the Jews have been desiring for millennia is finally about to come through. Um, he says, the Messiah is coming, get ready. And this is an interesting passage for us to look at at the moment, because we are in the season called Advent at the moment, um, in the church calendar. And it's good for us, I think, to think about ourselves as in the Advent season rather than the Christmas season. Um, the Christmas season often leads us to this idea of like um, rabid consumption and <laughs> consumerism and just going wild. But the season of Advent is actually a season about waiting. It's actually not about having everything you want. It is about sitting in the emotion of longing and of waiting. And the waiting is the same waiting that the Jews had of when will our Messiah come. We have been waiting for one to come and liberate us from the oppression of the Roman Empire, and they desperately wait for that. And Advent is a season where we are meant to enter into that with our unfulfilled longings as well. So if you're heading towards Christmas with deep a deep sense of what is not right in the world, what is not right in your own life, what is hurting you deeply, and, and wondering if this Christmas is going to be unfulfilling, then you're actually in good company with Jesus. You're in good company in the Advent season because Advent is the season 
of longing. You know, interestingly, um, I found out that around this time, you will know that the, the common Jewish greeting, um, which actually someone shared with me just before, but uh, in the waiting for the Messiah, actually the Jews replaced the word shalom with this word maranatha. Maranatha means come, Lord. And so every time they met each other on the street, they, they weren't saying peace anymore. They were saying, come, Lord. Their basic greeting to one another is, we need God to come and liberate us. That is what they repeated over and over again. Maranatha, Maranatha, good to see you, brother. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And that is the posture we're meant to take on at this time, is Maranatha, come, Lord. Come to this COVID pandemic. Come to the hurt within my own heart. Come to the pain that my family and my friends are coming. Maranatha, Lord, come. Come in this season. And so we are to hunger and thirst for Jesus to come and liberate us from our captivity. And for some of you, the captivity that you may feel is that you've been in a long season of sadness or grief. And as we are in this Advent season, you are saying, Maranatha, Jesus, come, enjoy. And for some of you, you've been in a long season of spiritual dryness, and you're just desperate to meet God again, but you're not really sure how to get to her or get to him. And in this moment, our, our, our call in Advent is to say, Maranatha, Lord, come, come into this dryness. And for some of you, um, for some of you, there's just a, yeah, just a real grief that comes with this time of year. And we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. So looking at this passage where John the Baptist comes with his honey and his bugs and his onesie, um, he comes, <laughs> his sackcloth onesie, as he comes he is saying, come Lord Jesus, and we enter into this story with all our unmet longings and all the things we desire to have fulfilled in our lives and say, come Lord Jesus. So what I want to look at out of this passage today is what does it look like to wait and to long well? What does it look like in the, the model of John the Baptist? What does it look like for us to wait on Jesus? How do we do that? Um, how do we do that uh, faithfully? And so the first thing I want to point to is that um, John comes in the wilderness. He comes in the wilderness. Um, he was an outsider, a real outsider, and an outsider by choice. He didn't have to be an outsider. He could have stayed on in the family tradition, but instead he goes way beyond the city limits, and he goes to clearing that the Messiah is finally going to come. Now, the interesting thing to think about is who else would have been outside the city limits? Is everybody else who was reviled and rejected by society. So the lepers were outside the city limits, those who were seen as being diseased um, or were seen as, 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 as being um, unclean. And outside the city limits, we know about the story of the, um, the bleeding woman who had had menstrual bleeding for 12 years. She was an outside the city kind of person. The blind, the deaf, and the disabled were often outside the city because the assumption of some people was that their parents had done some kind of sin that resulted in them being that way. So when John is called to declare that Jesus is coming, he doesn't announce that in a room like this. He doesn't go to the temple where all the religious stuff happens. You know, he doesn't go to the center of the city streets where he can get a crowd. He walks outside the city and he begins to declare that the Messiah is coming among the most reviled, the most pushed out, and the most marginalized. And in that way, so many could miss out on this truth that was coming. Like so many wealthy, so many connected, so many popular could have missed that someone was in the desert saying, 
Christ is coming. He is in the messy places, these deeply, deeply messy places. And I don't know, I like, I really, I really relate to this. I've been thinking a lot this year about the different fairy tales we have in our lives of how certain moments in our lives are meant to be. Um, these Hollywood narratives we pick up. You know, the other day we had Rose and Max's wedding, which was like incredibly, incredibly gorgeous. Just the most beautiful wedding, and they were so in love, and they're such a great couple. Um, yeah, totally. Give them a round of applause. But living alongside this in this moment is also Rose's beautiful sister, Tegan, who passed away about six months ago. And so there is this beautiful joy happening, and there's this messy pain happening at the same time, you know? And if they were written for a film, then it would only be the good day, <laughs> and the wedding would have to be perfect. But there's this mixing of death and life, of joy, of sadness, all coming together at once. Another friend of mine got married a little while ago, um, and um, her dad is um, a, real, a real dickhead, a really manipulative guy. And, um, and he was, was at the wedding, and the, the whole time there, um, he is just dialing up the manipulation. He's just saying really undermining things to his daughter. And so there's this balance for her of this very unhealthy member of her family, um, and then this man who she loves, who she's marrying. Beautiful two things, the beauty and the pain, the death and the resurrection coming on at the same time. Um, some of you um, will be familiar that I went through a, a separation earlier this year, but um, when that first started to unfold, it was three or four days before my daughter arrived. So I, yep. Um, <laughs> um, and so the, um, the mix of the joy and the pain of waiting this person for this person you deeply love to come into the world and your love for them, and your joy that they have arrived, but also knowing that it is mixed with this profound pain and this profound messiness of, of a new relationship beginning and of something else folding up. And our, our lives are not fairy tales, eh? They are full of this messiness, and many of you right now are heading through this Advent or, or Christmas season, and you're looking towards Christmas going, there is some messiness. My family are going to have to together on that day, and I don't know how it's going to work, you know? Or, or I'm going to I'm gonna have to meet someone who I haven't talked to in a while and it's not going to be great. Or I'm feeling deeply lonely and I don't know who I'm going to be around on Christmas. You know, I think we think that most people live the fairy tale, but for the reality is most of us actually live in the complexity and messiness of life, eh? Most of us live in some kind of wilderness. And the great thing is when we live in our wilderness and when we live in the complexity and we live in the pain and the grief, we actually don't have to wonder where God is. Because when it was declared that Jesus was coming to liberate, it wasn't declared in the clean city streets. It was declared in the wilderness. It was declared in the painful places, in the messy places, in the unexpected places. You think about this in the story of the scriptures. The Jews are released from Egypt from their slavery. It's like this, yay, we are out of slavery. But then where do they wander for 40 years? In the wilderness. Where they're not sure if there will be enough food. <laughs> where they're not sure if they can trust God day to day. They go from joy to the messy pain as they await the promised land. We think of um, the people who follow this man named Jesus on a day of preaching and end up somewhere where there is no food to eat and this threat of starvation and this deep fear of these people who are like, how are we going to feed 5,000 of us? But then we also have providing in that moment the joy and the pain, the death and the resurrection, the sadness and the joy. This theologian who I really love, um, Japanese theologian, Kosuke Koyama, says the wilderness is the place of danger and promise. The place of danger and promise. The wilderness is a scary place where we fear for our lives and we fear 
for what is not yet, but it also is the place of promise where God reveals and God comes through powerfully. So for those of us who enter this Christmas in the danger of our wilderness, there is also an opportunity for the promises of God to be revealed in that as well. And that is the comfort I want to bring to those of you who feel like you head into this season in a deep wilderness, whether it be internally, externally, is that the wilderness is the place of both danger and promise. And you probably feel the danger, you feel the fear, but God wants to come through in his promises and God wants to meet you in that place. And if you find yourself in the wilderness right now, remember that God declared his son was coming to liberate, not in the clean rooms, not in the temples, not in the city streets, but out in the wilderness. And if that is where you are today, God is out there saying, I want to make a way for my son into your heart. Cool? Second thing, he comes, John comes in the wilderness and he says, prepare a way for the Lord. Prepare a way for the Lord. How do you prepare a way for the Lord? Well, when I was 13, um, I came to faith. Um, So about seven years ago, Charlotte, um, I saw that snigger. Um, And um, I came to faith at a Pentecostal youth rally, um, like probably many of us. Um, and, um, and I, um, at the same time as I fell in love with Jesus, I fell in love with my 17 or 18 year old youth leader. Um, man, she was like so beautiful. Um, and so like at, um, at 13, I went slightly, um, stalkery on this. Um, I'm not proud of it. Um, but, um, basically, um, she talked about what music she was into. So I like, I started listening to the music she was into. Um, and, uh, and I found out about her favorite book in the Bible, so I started reading that book, um, and then um, I knew where she hung out at school, so um, I would go and uh, hang out in that place in the hope that maybe um, she would turn up. Um, and, um, and I wanted to see her, so I totally rejigged my life as a 13-year-old to be into what she was into. Um, like totally rejigged it um, and, um, and I was kind of thinking about this and I'm like man when is the last time my love for God caused me to totally rejig my life in line with who he is um, and in line with a relationship with him you know like what would it look like for my life to sit in the places where I know Jesus walks by to read the books or read the things that that inspire Jesus heart to listen to what Jesus finds inspiring I think that's what John's talking about when he says um Make a straight way for the Lord. Make room in your lives for Jesus to come. Some of you at the moment may not feel that close to God. The best thing you can do right now, even if you don't feel it, is to make room for when Christ comes. To live now as you want to be living when things are better. Live now as you want to live when things are better. Because those who wanted an encounter with God when it came to the arrival of John, they had to walk out of the city into the wilderness. Like they couldn't sit at home just waiting for the God declaration to come to them. Um, They had to stand in crowds and wait. They had to listen to a crazy man shouting Maranatha. Um, They actually had to go and be baptized and hear. Um, And if if we are this Advent season waiting for Christ to come into our lives, then make a way. Make a way. Be where Christ is. Be in the places that his heart breaks for and I was thinking there are some places actually in the scriptures which are pretty clear that Jesus loves to dwell Um, and the the first of these I thought about is that Jesus when he's not ministering he's always withdrawing to a quiet place with his father and if you are in a quiet place it says in the scriptures if you draw near to God I will draw near to you Jesus is into prayer Jesus hangs out in the prayer space 
And if you are in prayer, that is a space you can make for Christ. Um, If you find it hard to be in prayer at the moment, if God is far from you, man, liturgy is so good because you don't need to make up the words. You can lean on beautiful words from thousands of years ago, um, and you can lean into prayer there. But Jesus hangs out in prayer. Um, But secondly, Jesus hangs out in community. Um, Sometimes in our spaces of longing or our spaces of desperation, um, we do this weird thing, which I imagine is super Western, where we go, I'm so conflicted, I just need to be on my own to work it out, which is like the very worst thing you can do when you're finding things hard, is to go be on your own. I've never seen someone in a faith crisis take time out to be on their own and come back better than they were. Like our faith is a communal faith. It's a very recent thing that we have each had a Bible that we can pick up for ourselves and read. Our faith has always been a corporate and communal faith that we journey together. So Jesus is Jesus hangs out in prayer, but Jesus hangs out in community. Um, and so if we want to be near Jesus, if we want to make a straight way for the Lord, hang out in community, hang out with people who maybe don't have the faith, uh, who have the faith that you don't have at the moment. And then finally, Jesus hangs out in prayer, he hangs out in community, but Jesus hangs out with the poor. Um, Gustavo Gutierrez, Catholic liberation theologian, said that Jesus has a preferential option for the poor. It's a controversial thing. He says Jesus loves everybody, but when it comes down to it, Jesus would rather hang out with those who are struggling and suffering than anyone else. If he had to choose, if he had limited time, his preference is to hang out with those who are broken, destitute, and struggling. And, you know, as I shared this this morning at Brooklyn, um, we have these two amazing ladies um, in our church who are missionaries, and they would talk about being in Rwanda in these churches, and they're like, the sense of God's nearness and God's closeness in those places was so much more powerful than they ever experienced here in the West, um, because Jesus was not a nice optional add-on to their lives, but he was actually who those people depended on for their daily sustenance. And so if you want to, like me, if you want to go a little crazy and, um, and, and to um, fall in love with Jesus and be in the places where Jesus is, then prayer, then community, then solidarity with the poor and those who are struggling, that is where Jesus hangs out and that is where you will find him. And if right now you struggle to believe that that's true, where you struggle to feel closeness to God, live now for who you will be in the future, not for how you feel now. Like, what is the faith you want to have one day? Live towards that. Don't live in the pain that you have now. And so that second thing, uh, the first thing, John came in the wilderness, but he came saying, prepare a way for the Lord. And so if you want to prepare a way for Christ's liberation in your life, start hanging out in the places that Jesus hangs out in. And then the final thing, John came in the wilderness saying, make a straight way. And then he said, through a baptism of repentance, a baptism of repentance. A few years ago, um, I was uh, doing this pilgrimage walk none of you will be familiar with um, um, across the the width of of Spain. It would make great sermon fodder if I used it more often. Um, But... um, but there was this one day um, we've been walking for about uh, 20 or 30 k. Um, this thing goes for about 800 kilometers across Spain, and I'm walking along and just bored, bored shitless, just like looking at the dirt, walking, 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 um, and then just this thought enters my mind: this image of Christ on the cross, um, and I just start to be overwhelmed by this gratitude towards God. I start to think, man, like what Christ has actually done for me. Like, like who, who, who would do that for someone? 
Who would do that for someone who's not even interested in them being in their life? Christ goes to the cross before we're even interested. He, he initiates, he goes to the cross, and I'm just contemplating this, and I was thinking of that scripture, it is the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. It's not the anger of God that makes anyone come to God, you know, it's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. But then something hit my heart, which was the sense of like, God, you are so kind to me, and I am so unkind and unfaithful to you. You are so kind to me, and you give so much before I even do anything for you. And what do I repay you with? <laughs> like such indifference, such apathy, um, such hostility at times, such rebellion. Um, and I felt this kindness of God drawing me to repentance. I got to the top of this hill. I'm starting to weep, thinking on the cross. And then I look up, and no joke, there is a nine-foot-tall uh, nine iron cross at the top of this hill, and I just lose it, just fall down in the dirt, eh? <laughs> and just, just start weeping into this dirt, um, and just um, am overcome with the kindness of God and what God has done for me. And what I wonder for us in our generation, there are a few words which are really unpopular in the church, words like sin, words like evangelism, but another one of those would be repentance. Um, but actually, like it is God's kindness should lead us to repentance. It should lead us to look at the holiness and the kindness of God um, and lead us to want to be more faithful to who God is and who God calls us to be. Um, I think one of the challenges for our generation um, is that we cannot receive correction without thinking it's rejection of often. You know, we have a very fragile ego, I think, our age group, and so the, it's hard for us to feel conviction without feeling condemned. But it's actually a really important part of our faith is these experiences where we go, God, you are much greater than me. You are much better than me. And, and God, I try, um, but your kindness leads me to say, I am sorry. <laughs> I am sorry that I am not who I hope to be and I am not who you called me to be. Um, and then God in his grace always says, great, let's try again. Um, I, love our, I love our liturgy where we confess our sins in, um, in, in Eucharist. Um, there's that bit where it says, um, God, uh, le yeah, let us, let us um, in the silence speak out our sins to God. Um, and uh, there was a priest that observed me doing the Eucharist here, and she said, man, you leave a really long silence for people in that moment to reflect on their sins. She's like, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> to me, it's like, the length of that silence means when those words come, God forgives you, forgive others, forgive yourself, that there is a deep hunger in me to receive that forgiveness of God, to receive that absolution and to receive that healing. And I feel like in the same way that this Advent season is the long pause after where we reflect on our sins and where we reflect on our longing and where we reflect on our ache. And for 25 days we sit here and we go, oh, I am not as I should be. The world is not as it should be. My relationships are not as they should be, but Maranatha, Lord, come. I can't do this without you. I cannot do 22 with 2022 without you. I barely made it through 2021. Lord, I need you for 2022. I need, on Christmas morning, I need to wake excited for you like I used to wake when I was like seven and feel a heavy stocking on the end of my bed. <laughs> like that is, needs to be our heart's cry this Advent season is to long for that day to come where Christ's liberation and his healing may enter our lives. So if you find yourself today in the wilderness, if you find yourself in the wilderness and you are dreading Christmas Day, 
You are in good company. You're in good company in the church because there are many people around the world and many, uh, many people in the church and many people around the world for whom this is not an exciting journey. But what we have in our church calendar is the opportunity for us to take that waiting, that longing, that ache, and that pain and to surrender it to God and say, God, I desire you like I desire the reconciliation of my family. I desire you like I desire not to wake up on Christmas Day with the same anxiety I've carried for years. I desire you um, like I want to wake up on Christmas morning and not feel as deeply lonely as I have for a long time. Those aches within you are an opportunity here for us to go out into the wilderness um, to make a straight way, to prepare a place for God um, and then in repentance to say, God, your kindness your kindness draws me to say, Lord, I'm sorry for what it all is, but I want to walk with you again. Is that cool? Why don't we stand together and close our eyes? I think there's two invitations here, just with our, our eyes closed, for where different people are at in this room. And one of those invitations is some of you are so deeply in the wilderness um, that you just need to know that God is there with you. Um, so some of you are deep in the wilderness. You need to know God is, near, is there with you. But others of you, God's kindness is stirring in your heart and drawing you to repentance. And some of us, it's been a long time since we got on our knees um, and said, Jesus, I want to follow you more wholeheartedly. Um, and so I'm going to pray first um, with every eye closed. Um, I just want to pray for those who are deep in the wilderness and you just need Christ to meet you there at the moment. Just put out your hands if that's you. No one's looking. Um, Jesus, I pray for these people who find themselves in the wilderness. Um, God, you sent John out into that wilderness space to declare a gospel of hope and transformation and redemption. Um, and you, um, you are out there now with them. But Lord, I just pray for those who are really deep in the wilderness, really struggling that um, they would tangibly get a sense of your Holy Spirit with them right this second. Um, Lord, where the longing and the ache um, and the desire is just so deep and so unsatisfied, Jesus, come and satisfy that need. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Meet them in that place. Thank you, brother. Mm. I feel like there's someone here who it's like you've been in the wilderness so long that you've almost started building a home out there. Um, and Jesus is saying, no, in my father's house, there are many rooms. Um, I meet you in the wilderness, but I have a better place for you. Um, so I just pray for whoever that is, um, that um, you would just, yeah, that, that just Christ would be near to you and that trust would rise in your heart um, and that you would know in his father's house, there are many rooms and he has a place for you. And there are some of you here today who just have that deep sense that, um, yeah, you just feel the kindness of God and you are just, just, just overwhelmed um, with the, yeah, the desire to lift him up and, um, and to submit your lives to him again. Um, so if that's you, you can put your hands up. But if you're up for it, um, I just encourage you to kneel where you are. Um, so if, if you feel comfortable to, just invite some of you to kneel who feel that that moment now and I just pray for these people God I pray your kindness would just be so evident to them right now 
Lord, I pray, um, yeah, where there might be sin in their lives that you bring conviction on, Lord. We just pray against condemnation or a sense of rejection, Lord. I just pray that your kindness and your grace would wash over every failure here um, and every mistake. Um, Jesus, I pray that, um, yeah, some people here who have just, it feels like a long time since they've been home and fallen into the arms of their father and mother God, I just pray that they would feel your embrace right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Maranatha. Mm, for someone here, that beautiful um, passage from Psalm 116, I wait for you, O Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Jesus, I lift up the hearts of those people here who have been waiting a long time. And God, I lift up the stories of those who have been delivered. God, we thank you for Unleash and Jesus that, um, that you came through. And we bless that and we give you thanks. So as we um, sing and as we worship together, um, just invite any of you to come to the side room and receive prayer. I'd love to pray with you. Um, but yeah, those two things. If you are in the wilderness, we're just praying that God would meet you there. And if God's kindness wants to draw you to repentance, um, just pray, fall on your knees um, and be near to him now.